Alright folks, seek and you shall find. I don't know how I landed on this shit today, but thank you universe. Alright, this one is Chinese Horses by Luis Gonzaga Gomez. Gomez? Gomez. Alright. Knife painting. Knife? N-A-I-F. Painting of horses from a Wei Dynasty tomb. The expression on the stableman's face, his tunic and leggings, as well as the galloping horses, excuse me, seem to suggest the steppe region in the north. The basic lines capture the essence of the horse's movements. Some thousands of years before Christ, the Persians had cavalry regiments. It is very likely that the horses of those restless people were the descendants of those wild horses which in prehistoric ages drifted along Central Asia's wild prairies. As a result of their expansionist fights, the conquering hordes of Persian kings spread themselves into Europe where their horses acclimatized successfully. Little by little, penetrating other European regions, these Persian horses reproduced in growing numbers and thanks to various influences, they formed several Russian, Frisian, Bay, Dun, and Sorrel races, among others. It's interesting because <clears throat> one of the things I uploaded about the horses, history of the horses, that scientist was saying that even language traveled because of horses. Okay. Other descendants of the horses of the Pamir Plains are the resistant and nimble Arabian coursers, as well as the vigorous Mongolian horses, which in the 13th century took the ferocious nomad troops of Genghis Khan as far as the northern beaches of the Black Sea, where they defeated the Russian army and arrested the Grand Duke of Kiev. In 1241, these warriors under the command of Subutai, or sorry, Sabutai, defeated the German-Polish army in Liegnitz, thereby expanding their rule over Poland and Hungary. What? All the way to fucking Poland and Hungary, that's crazy. In the huge sea of sand just outside the Great Wall in the <clears throat> in the Ohartosu Plains, there is a camp known as Yuchen Hura. There, the heavy silver coffin enclosing the remains of the great conqueror who terrorized medieval Europe is still, still resting. What? Every year in the third month of the Mongol calendar, thousands of Chinese pilgrims withstand terrible conditions along 300 miles just to go there to pay their respects to the brave warrior. 
This is a very imposing ceremony which features very strange and, ex and extravagant rites. At this ceremony, a two centimeter hole is made in the coffin in order to allow the dust into which the body has turned to reincarnate. Hmm. Interesting. This is a very old tradition, but Genghis Khan remains peacefully in his eternal rest, leaving his people's prayers unanswered. However, as his horse has been reincarnated several times, both Chinese and Mongol followers still hope for the miracle and therefore they repeat their fanatic ceremonies in an attempt to recall his stubborn spirit. What? According to research, according to recent research, it has been found that initially wild horses were golden colored. You guys hear this shit? I'm not talking out of my ass. I'm reading this. <laughs> you hear this shit? According to recent research, it has been found that initially wild horses were golden colored. In North America's in North America's major stud farms, and after four hundred thousand, sorry, and after four hundred years of adulteration, they were able to produce horses of that primitive color. These are the most beautiful horses in the whole world. Chinese horses and foals cannot compare to European and American horses in terms of dignity and elegance. In China, it is very difficult to find a horse with white, white hind legs or with a white forehead, as most horses are brownish yellow. The first Chinese references to horses date to the mythical emperor Wang Tai, who was said to have a stable full of Mongol cults. According to some Chinese chronicles, a skillful veteran, veterinarian named Ma Si Wang successfully performed an acupuncture operation on a dragon suffering from a strange throat problem. In exchange for this, the dragon took him to heaven. Well, I'm, talking, I'm assuming it's talking about a horse then. One of the most popular themes in the Chinese pottery industry is a group of eight horses each featuring different postures, lying on their backs, bending over as if looking for something, raising the head and slightly twisted, as if attracted by some noise. This ra rather strange group of horses that almost every tourist is tempted to buy is commonly known among antique owners as Patmatu, Eight Horse Group, and is intended to represent the eight horses preferred by Tong Wang Kong, the Emperor of the Orient, best known as Mukong among the Chinese people. I wonder if King Kong is a play on this on this guy. <laughs> as a to, anyways. Those were the eight horses that pulled the imperial car in which he traveled to meet Sai Wang Mu, the empress of the Occident, whose rich domains were on the top of Kunlun Mountain. Look at this shit. The Kunlun Mountain Range in... in 
They have volcanoes up there. According to Chinese mythology, Tong Wang Kong and Sai Wang Mu were the first human beings to inhabit the earth. There you go. There you go. This is what I'm saying. There you go. This is this is straight up fucking fucking mythology creation story. Alright. Um Okay. According to Chinese mythology, Tong Wang Kong and Sai Wang Mu were the first human beings to inhabit the earth. They were generated from the conjunction of the fifth essence of western breezes with eastern breezes. They were therefore the progenitors of male power yang, yang, and female power yin. The visit that the eastern emperor paid to the western empress also symbolizes a remote relationship that China had with other western nations. As to the Eastern Emperor's eight horses, they all have fancy names such as Flapping Wings, Straight to the Clouds, Above the World, Rising Shadow, Jumping Over the Mist, Shining Flame, Jumping Onto the Sun, and Hidden Wings. Hmm. Okay, um, according to legend, these eight horses were raised at Taolam, a dense forest created by Kua Fu's magic wand. Okay, so, like, if we go back to the previous one, where it was saying the horses meant was a symbol of fire, and over here it says, according to legend, these eight horses were raised at Taolam, a dense forest created by Kua Fu's magic wand. Mm. Kua Fu dared fight the sun because he was so strong that he could not keep the energy within his body. He then had to let his energy out and chase the incandescent star. After a most tiring chase, he managed to catch up with the sun in the deep western valley. There, Kuafu was dying of thirst and drank all the water of the Yellow River and Uai River. However, all that water was not enough to quench his thirst, and so Kuafu died in a very painful way. Is this talking about a volcano? Drank all the water of the Yellow River. It's not talking about horses, man. The horse belonging to Lao Pui, one of the heroes in the San Kuo Chi, History of the Three Kingdoms. Each Ni San. So San is three. So Kuo and Chi, the three kingdoms. Anyways, was among the famous horses featured in Chinese literature that in inspired prose works and poems. <laughs> a horse inspired prose works and poems. Once upon a time, Lao Pui's rival invited him to a banquet. He did not suspect anything and accepted the invitation. Without any special precaution, he rode towards his enemy's camp, but as soon as he arrived, the, tr the traitor's acolytes surrounded him and put him in a room. They were all awaiting the signal to attack the careless man when I K, one of Choi Mu's men, 
took pity on the betrayed hero who was going to die in a dis in a disgraceful manner. He then pretended to offer Lao Pui a glass of wine and whispered to him, warning him to get away. However, Lao Pui did not seem impressed with Aiki's strange behavior. Showing that he was tired of sitting down, he stood up and quite naturally naturally walked out to the open air. That was the opportunity for I.K. to tell him that he had been trapped. Without wasting any time, the hero jumped onto his horse and rushed over the western gate. However, out of nowhere, a large river appeared suddenly in front of him. He stopped, changed direction, and, tired, and tried a different route. But suddenly there appeared a dense cloud of dust, which he knew would cover those who chased him. It seemed there was no way out, but he decided to jump over the river. In the most daring jump, both Lao Pui and his horse Landly landed safely on the other side of the river. <clears throat> One of those emperors who became famous due to their fondness of for horses is Shansung of the Tang Dynasty. His stable had an infinite number infinite number of horses which were divided into two groups, dragons and proud. What? More than 400 horses were broken in order to perform a series of exercises to the sound of music. Sansung forced the stable boys to treat them with extreme care and he wanted the horses to be covered with silk saddle cloths arranged in such a way as to display various flowers. Martingales linking the reins to the bit were decorated with sonorous golden bells and huge pearls together with white jade pieces on which the horses names were engraved wow these guys love their horses that's so interesting is just isn't that interesting how much these guys just adored okay according to chinese liturgy the 23rd day of the 6th Moon is dedicated to Ma Wang, the protector of horses and patron of carters. Very often, this divinity has a place in the chest of Gao Wang, the cattle guardian. It seems that the god of horses had a triple incarnation a long time ago. Okay, god of horses, there we go. When he was called Ma Chu, the old man of horses, <laughs> oh my god okay he used to receive sacrifices in spring when he was considered the prime procreator of horses he was worshipped in summer and when he was considered the celestial destroyer of horses a pernicious spirit which caused these animals to fall sick his festivity was celebrated in winter yo Yo, <laughs> it's all here, man. It's all here. Even even Hinduism. Fucking, it's all here, man. Okay.
this is basically spring, summer, and fall, or, or winter. This trinity is identified in Ma Wang with a three-headed image. There you go. It's about seasons. The Chima, a packet with a hundred sheets of paper representing almost every Chinese deity, which is burnt during sacrifices, sometimes features Ma Wang seated on a throne and escorted by three servants. Yo, you ever hear about this shit? The Chi Ma is a packet with a hundred sheets of paper representing almost every Chinese deity. It's like collecting cards. Fuck. Okay, sometimes features, okay. Sometimes is burnt during sacrifice. Sometimes features Ma Wang seated on a throne escorted by three servants. Hmm. These Chima paper horses are reminiscent of the former, yo, paper, this is, this is a fucking the, oh my god, this is, they still have this shit in the Tibetan, fucking this, the Tibetan flags, it's the paper flags, they're basically, they call those the paper horses. These Chima paper horses are reminiscent of the former statues of those patron saints deified by the early Chinese people who used to exhibit them either riding horses or next to horses. In early times, the Chinese used to offer live animals to their deities and they preferred horses. Mm-hmm. It's all here. I'm telling you, it's all here. It's all here, man. In the course of time, live animals were replaced by wooden images and cloth images with various fillings. Finally, during Sansung's time in the Tang Dynasty, the paper images were adopted, a practice which is still being used. The Chinese ritual required that all offerings to the horse deity should start in the imperial stables on the festivity day. There, the tray holding different food was offered to the divinity between 8 o'clock in the morning and 8 o'clock in the evening. Right after that period of time, all peasants who owned even a single horse would burn the horse divinity image in honor of Ma Wang. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? They would burn the image. It's, it's interesting because... In, um, in in the Himalayas, there's a tribe I forget. It's one of the nomadic tribes. They still have this thing where they make an image of their god, goddess, whatever, and then at the end they burn it or they they drown it. The same as in India when when they uh, during the puja times when they basically uh drown the bodies of the gods in the in the in the rivers or the or the ponds so interesting man it's like horses have inspired many chinese artists in all dynasties poets have dedicated polyrhythmic verses to praise the virtues of such noble creatures yo Polyrhythmic singing is 
is a thing in some tribes in Africa to keep away predators at night. The women sing in, or is it polyphonic? No, they they, they sing polyphonic sing. Sorry, this is polyrhythmic verses. Hmm. In watercolors, those who distinguished in giving the best representation of the horse's character, expression of face, and gracefulness were Lei Qin, his son Chong Ho, and Han Kan, the preferred follower of the renowned landscape painter Wang Wei, all of whom gained fame during the magnificent Tang Dynasty. Yang Guifei, the famous concubine of Emperor Hang Sang Sung on horseback. China ink and color painting on paper roll. Okay. At the time, the use of horses was governed by the Book of Rights, which determined that common citizens should have only one horse pulling their carriages, while, uh, while aristocrats could have three and imperial carriages six. Yeah, basically, that's what's happening right now with, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have the latest, you know, you can't come in. Okay, you have to sit outside. Okay, <laughs> it's the same shit. We, it's just, we do the same shit. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just you have to manage all these monkeys. So you have to keep coming up with new ways because otherwise... They have to keep. They have to stay at least ten steps ahead of us to to control us. Otherwise, they can't control us. In the medical field, scholars say that the horse's eye reflects a man's full image, and the best breeds are the white ones. Isn't that interesting? The next article is anyways. The horse's heart may help to cure amnesia after being dried, ground to dust, and blended with wine. Horses can walk in the dark because they have special eyes, which are also very good for curing dental cavities. Now, how the fuck they went from that to that, I have no idea. <laughs> the liver is a lethal poison, and horse shoes are the remedy for the worst insomnia when hung at the head of the bed. Yo! Yo, this, that thing is, that thing, the hanging of a horseshoe is very universal. A lot of cultures actually do that. They hang a horseshoe on top of whatever, okay. However, if horses are fed with rice, their legs become heavy, and if somebody hangs the skin of a mouse or wolf on their manger, or if black plums or dead silkworms are brushed on their mouth, horses will starve to death. I don't know how they... <laughs> okay. For the Chinese, the horse is an animal with exceptional qualities, purity, honor, and intelligence. As to the latter, there is the following account. Some ten lei from Hoipeng village were village there was a small town with a population composed mainly of outlaws just before entering the town there was a strange monument featuring an attractive gravestone which was known to neighboring peasants as the grave of the intelligent horse 
The origin of that grave dates back to the time the town was founded and it belonged to Pakman. Look at this shit. P-A-K hyphen M-A-N. Pac-Man. An estate owner who was a Mandarin in one of the dis- districts in Kongsai province because he was a Koyian graduate in arts. The region under his control was very alpine, surrounded by cloudy and and inhospitable crests. The only way to go through the countless narrow gorges was by horse, which was the sole means of transportation of those who lived there. Therefore, most peasants owned one or two horses, and those who were born in that district would invest in raising stallions since their stole since their sole wealth was horses. When Pac-Man took over his post, he had to buy two horses. One was a bay dun and the other completely white. Pac-Man was very happy with his horses as they were very tame, but preferred the white one because when riding it, he did not have to use the reins since the animal was intelligent enough to to anticipate the owner's intentions. As regard the bay dun, its owner did not like it as much as the white one even though it was beautiful. Once his term of office was over, Pac-Man returned home and as he had made and as he had become rich, he turned down all offers to take over other duties. He preferred to dedicate himself to the management and cultivation of his farm. At that time, there was a gang of thieves led by the ferocious Tan Gan Chat, the one-eyed Chat who was raiding all the farms in the region, that's like Mulan, spreading death and kidnapping children of rich families in exchange for high ransoms. <laughs> oh my god, man. We are monkeys doing the same shit, man. Nothing has changed, man. The district authorities tried to capture the devious bandit, but to no avail. They would arise Sorry, they would raise rewards, but that irritated the thieves more, who kept on terrorizing the population through continuous raids. Tan Gan Chat thought that Pac-Man kept his wealth in his house and decided to attack it. Even though taken by surprise, Pac-Man and his people defended themselves very well. He was hurt and his youngest son was killed by an arrow in his heart while he was daringly chasing away the thieves. During the raid, Pagman's favorite horse neighed in distress from the stable. Having, you have to love your neighbor as yourself, your horse as yourself. <laughs> what if that's what that verse means? Okay, having seen it, Tang Tan Gan Chat released it and mounted it to flee. However, when the animal felt the thief's weight on its back, it rushed away and despite all efforts from the rider, it could not be stopped. His hands could barely hold the reins as the more he pulled, the faster the horse ran. Very likely, the animal was hard-mouthed or spurred by demons. Tan Gan Chat thought of throwing himself off the horse, but dared not do so. The animal crossed fields and jumped over fences and entered the main building of the district court. (laughs) 
There it stopped, spun, leapt, and shook its body violently, forcing the rider to fall to the ground. After recovering from the sudden invasion, the ba the bailiffs soon recognized the scoundrel. <laughs> Immediately, they opened the court to try him, and in the course of the trial, the court was informed that Pac-Man's property had been attacked that very same night. Tangan Chat needed no torture to confess. All the members of his gang were arrested, and the proceeds of their raids reverted to the court. Finally, they were beheaded, and to assure peasants that peace had returned to that region, their heads were hung on the trees along the imperial road. Some days later, Pac-Man's horse died because it could not resist the strain endured when it surrendered the raider. His owner regretted its death and in gratitude built the sumptuous grave at the entrance of Hoipeng village. Alright, there's that one and this one. Check this one out. This, this, one, this one sounds interesting. The Horse in Ancient Chinese Medical Practices Engraving of a diagram of the horse showing its acupuncture points. 17 pages of the Pun Sao are filled with an account of the horse, treating of the uses of the various internal and external parts of his body in medicine and the mode of their exhibition in diseases. The manner in which the subject is here treated affords a good instance of the usual order pursued by the compilers of that work in their descriptions of the numerous articles included in Chinese Materia Medica, and we will for once follow them as well to show our readers this order as to tell them what the Chinese say of, the, of that favorite, favorite and noble animal. To do this, it will not, however, be necessary to enter into blah, blah. Section 1. Name explained. Le Shechin says, Gan Hu remarks, The horse is a warlike animal. The character Ma represents its figure, head, mane, tail, and legs. What was originally written in outline thus is now reduced to Ma. Different names are applied to stallions and mares and to colts of various ages and colors, which are very numerous, for which see the order. Okay. Gan King says, There are horses of many colors, but for medicine, the pure white is the best. <laughs> Though if the animal has a few spots, as in his eyes, mouth, and hoofs, they need not be regarded. Mm, sounds like uh, Leviticasso. Do to run, my okay. <laughs> Le Shechin says wild horses are found in Yunnan and Shanse. Generally speaking, those found in the north. Generally found in the north and west are superior to those in the south and east, which are small and weak. The age is known by the teeth, which at first are small, but increase as the animal grows older. Its eye reflects the full-length image of a man. They keep saying that, which is very interesting. 
Because I, I read that in the last one too. It reflects the full length image of a man. I wonder why that is. Um, hmm. If he eats rice, his feet will become heavy. If rats dung, his belly will grow long. What? If his teeth be rubbed with dead silkworms or black plums, he will not eat. But this is, but this is removed by rubbing them with mulberry leaves. If the skin of a rat or wolf be hung in his manger, he will not eat. He should be. He should not be allowed to eat from a hog's trough, lest he contract disease. If a monkey is kept in the stable, he will not fall sick. Okay, I I don't this is this is like poetry. This is all written in prose and I don't know if this is supposed to be taken literally. I'm not sure. All right. The flesh of a pure white stallion is the most wholesome. Hmm. Interesting. If it is bitter or cold, it is noxious. Many authors are quoted with regard to the wholesomeness of horse flesh, whose opinions differ. One says that those who eat the flesh of diseased horses, nine out of ten die. It would be it should be roasted and eaten with ginger and pork. Interesting. Another remarks to eat the flesh of a black horse and not drink wine with it will surely produce death. Le Shechin recommends eating almonds and taking a rush broth if one feels uncomfortable after a meal of horse flesh. It may, it may here be added that we have seen this article of food for sale in the shambles of Canton, and it is probably eaten more frequently in the northern in the northern provinces than in this region. The fat lying on the top of the head is sweet and unwholesome in only a slight degree. Interesting. Leviticus 3.16. All the fat is the Lord's. Mmm. Interesting. Because eating the head is... That's interesting. Fish head is apparently very good for you. <laughs> what about horse head? It will cause the hair to grow, brighten a dark visage, and cure flabby skin on the hands and feet. It is a general principle in Chinese pharmacy of which this is an illustration that any part taken from an animal affects the same part in the patient. Well, placebo does work, so I mean... Okay, Lei Sushin says, in the Han Dynasty, a spirit was made from mare's milk. Oh my god. What if, in the Bible, the spirit of God is nothing but just alcohol? The spirit of God, if your god was a horse, let's say, milk... <laughs> The milk is sweet and cooling. When made into cumis, its nature is bland, and drinking it reduces the flesh. I don't know what that means, but okay. The heart of a white horse 
or that of a hog, cow, or hen, when dried and rasped into spirit and so taken, cures forgetfulness. If the patient hears one thing, he knows ten. Okay. The lungs and liver are here described. The liver is very poisonous. Woot of the Han Dynasty says, When eating horse flesh, do not eat the liver. He who eats liver of a horse will die, says another. The Chinese ascribe the noxious properties of the liver to the want of a gallbladder, which is known to be wanting in the anatomy of the horse. The gallbladder they suppose to be, seat, to be the seat of courage, and in ridicule say to a poltroon, I'll send you to buy a horse's gallbladder. Interesting. In Kang in Kange's dictionary there is a mode of demonstrating demonstrating the noxious properties of a horse's liver, peculiarly Chinese. The horse corresponds to fire, and as fire cannot produce wood, which is the province of water, therefore the horse has a liver without any gallbladder, and as the gallbladder is the effluence of wood, which corresponds to the liver, it is not complete in the liver, therefore if one eat it, he will die. Can you imagine God telling Adam and Eve, if you guys eat horse liver, you will die, I guarantee it. <laughs> the kidneys, says Le Shishin, contain an inky fluid which is allied to the bezoar of the cow and calculi of the dog, but its properties were unknown to the ancients. The placenta of the colt as a remedy in obstructed menstruation. Above the knees, the horse has night eyes, warts, which enable him to go into the night. They are useful in the toothache. Okay, like all this shit, I don't know if 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 these fuckers took this shit literally or I don't know. Anyways, above the knees, the horse. Okay, I read that. The teeth and grinders are to be burned to ashes, and if mixed with spittle and administered to children, the dose will cure their shivering fits. Yo, that's interesting. And Jesus spit on the ground and put the mud on the... Huh, interesting. The bones of the body, head and legs, and the hoofs are efficacious if a man is restless and jolly when he wishes to sleep and it is required to put him to rest let the ashes of his skull be mingled with water and given him and let him have a skull for a pillow and it will cure him same preservative virtues appear to be ascribed by the Chinese to a horse's hoof hung up in a house as we're supposed to as were supposed by our ancestors to belong to a horseshoe when nailed upon the door. The skin of a bay horse will hasten delivery. The mane and tail are useful. The brains, blood, perspiration, and excrements are prescribed. The first three are highly poisonous. Whoever has any of the blood of a 
of the living horse enter his flesh. In one or two days it will become a large swelling and gradually joining his heart kill him. If in cutting a horse he wounds his hand and the blood enters his flesh that same night he will die. If in cutting a horse he wounds his hand the blood enters his flesh. Huh, interesting. In this manner are the various subjects treated of in the Pun Sao discussed and by means of general indices and the use of different sizes of type, the student can quickly refer to any topic he is investigating. Wild horses are said to exist in Kansu and Le Leotung and also beyond the western frontiers. They are smaller than the domesticated animal. The skin is in demand for making garments and its flesh has the same flavor as that of the common horse. Although the Chinese cannot be said to have carried the culture of the horse to very high perfection, judging from the sorry looking ungroomed animals with large knots in their tails, which we see in this part of the empire, still they have not entirely neglected the veterinary art. We have now lying before us in the Ma King a work of in four volumes octavo, containing about 400 pages entirely devoted to this subject. The treatment of the camel and cow is appended in a fifth volume. Animal Husbandry the work was written in the first part of the 17th century in the reign of Wan Lei by the brothers Yu Yuan and Yu Hing, and afterwards corrected by Tong Kei. It contains 112 plates, 150 songs, and directions for making 300 prescriptions. It is divided into four parts. The first part consists of 12 essays and as many metrical pieces explaining the mode of feeling the horse's pulse which is placed in his breast describing the different parts of his body and giving the accounts concerning him transmitted from antiquity the writers have sometimes chosen the form of poetry to convey their researches and many of the essays are thrown into the form of conversation in order to enliven a dull subject interesting that's how they did it, this, or that's why they did it. So the second part gives the diag the diagnosis of the seventy two diseases to which the horse is subject, comprising directions how to ascertain what part is affected from the pulsations. Seventy two diseases, seventy two virgins. Hmm. Those virgins, virgins aren't aren't virgins maybe the original was diseases alright the third part contains eight sections on the eight states of health as cold hot empty solid etc of the horse with plates illustrated there are also reports of 74 conversations held between Tung K the corrector and Yu Yuan the author concerning the mode of treatment to be pursued when the symptoms were thus and thus, and the reasons for certain peculiarities about the horse. The fourth part describes the kinds of food he should have, among which pulse, grass, grain, tea, soup, and water are mentioned, 
and the whole concludes the, with directions for compounding the medicines and the mode of administrating them. Jeez, man. These, this is what I'm saying. These people, like, loved their fucking horses, man. Okay, we have time only to give this author's criteria of a good horse, but should think from the hasty examination of its contents that the Ma King might afford some interesting notices to one well acquainted with the veterinary art. There are 32 marks, of all which the eye is the pearl. Next, you must see if the head and face are proportionate. But he who wishes to know how to distinguish a good horse and does not examine the books of former ages is like a blind man going in a new road. Do you hear that? But he who wishes to know how to dis how to distinguish a good horse and does not examine the books of former ages is like a blind man going in a new road. The eye round as a banner bell, color deep, pupil bean shaped, well defined with white stria, iris with five colors. He will be long lived. Nose with lines like the characters Kung and Ho. He will see forty springs. The forehead higher than the eyes. Mane soft with ten thousand delicate hairs. Face and chops without flesh. Ears like a willow leaf. Neck like a phoenix's or cock's when crowing. Mouth large and deep with lips like a box close joining. Incisors and molars far apart. Tongue like a two-edged sword. You hear that? Did you hear that? Tongue like a two-edged sword of a good color. I'm gonna pull this up, motherfuckers. I'm gonna pull this up. Revelation. Double-edged sword. Revelation 116 In his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance Revelation 116 is talking about a fucking horse Okay where was I Okay, and of good color, the gums not black. He will have long life, lean as to flesh, fat as to bones, never starting at sounds, nor fearful of sights. The tail elevated is reckoned a good sign, head inclined and neck crooked, with three prominences on the crown, sinews like a deer's, bones of legs small, and hoofs light, fetlocks shape of a bow breast and shoulders broad but little projecting forward head long and loins short belly hanging and the hair on it growing upward upward hoofs strong and solid knees high and joints uniform flesh on the back thick making it round as a wheel scapula like a peppa and femur inclined and tail like a flowing comet 
hairs all soft. Such the Chinese give us as the principal characteristics of a good horse. What if the angel with the flaming sword in the Garden of Eden was a fucking horse? <laughs> I think the whole book Song of Solomon's talking about fucking horses. It's talking about horses. Revelation 116, talking about a horse. Alright, people. Peace. Have a good one.